Hello and welcome to the Future Tribe podcast. Each week we'll be talking about getting things done. We'll talk to people who've built up their businesses, pulled off amazing projects and cover everything from psychology and strategy to the tips and tricks that will help make your dream a reality. We're the podcast that's all about empowering the optimists and the go-getters. I'm your host, Jermaine Muller. You're listening to the Future Tribe podcast and this episode is just getting started. Welcome to another episode of Last Two Weeks on Tuesday. You're listening to the Future Drive podcast. Um, I'm Jermaine and I'm joined with Hayden once again. Hey, Hayden, how are you going? Hello. Not too bad, not too bad. So Hayden's a bit sick today, so we're sort of doing this remotely, um, but I guess that's the benefit of having having more sort of cloud-based software, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we're living in the future, Jermaine. We're living in the future. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it helps that we we focus on digital marketing. That we're we're sort of up with the times as well. Yeah. Um. So you're listening to the episode uh, going out on the third of September. So in this episode, we'll cover the last sort of fortnight of uh, interesting happenings and interesting things in the marketing tech sort of space. Um. Let's get the ball rolling with. Uh, Twitter shutting down 200,000 accounts for spreading disinformation about Hong Kong protests. Um, so what do we know mm. about this, Hayden? So basically, so for some context to the people who don't know, there have been some riots in Hong Kong basically regarding their independence from China. They believe that they should be um, you know, treated as a whole separate entity um, than China, whereas China believes that they are part um, of their country and should be under their jurisdiction and all that and not to get too deep into it and all the economic and political um, intricacies of it basically there have been some riots um, with particularly young people in Hong Kong um, they're going around taking down uh, facial recognition towers basically you know as you can see in this article here just protesting um, China's occupants of their country and their and the claim they have to it. Mm-hmm. And so what Twitter has done in basically, so China is the king of spreading misinformation in, you know, in this sort of sense, they love telling their side of the story. And basically Twitter has taken it upon themselves to shut down 200,000 basically fake accounts that were used to spread propaganda about um, the Hong Kong riots, basically downplaying the, the scale of these riots, right. you know, were the violence that was used and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so if you go to this article provided by AP News, it basically gives you all the details of, you know, what the Hong Kong people are alleging, Twitter's stance on it, mm-hmm. and basically China's response to all these allegations are, uh, we don't know what <laughs> you're talking about. They're pleading ignorance um, almost totally here. So, yeah, it's I think interesting in my opinion. I'm sorry to cut you off, but... Um, no, go for it. What's interesting to me, I think, is that it sort of raises this bigger issue around uh, censorship and mm. um, how much power and control um, you sort of give um, give these social platforms and social networks. Um, it's I, I sort of talk to a lot of clients about this because there are a lot of them who are building out sort of Facebook groups and things like that. Um, but it's it's a bit scary because in this instance, it's sort of a bit more clear, a bit more cut and dry that, you know, this is misinformation this is, or, or sort of incorrect propaganda or propaganda in general. Um, mm. But, you know, Hayden, like if you, have to, if you were to have an account that was 
sort of kind of gray, not, not necessarily black and white and Twitter mm. was to take it upon themselves to shut it down. It's a bit, it's a bit concerning. Look, it is concerning, but with that being said, Twitter is much more of a libertarian platform than, you know, places like Instagram, whereas Instagram will take down your account, will give you no recourse for um, putting the account back up, whereas Twitter tends to be a bit more um, hands-off with its user base, let's just say. Right, right, right. And I think this is more of a situation where China and Russia, I mean, I don't want to get into the politics of all this, but they've been known for using misinformation to basically spread propaganda. And very recently, um, China took a big initiative to basically hire a lot of journalists from across the country, a lot of unemployed journalists, because obviously it's a very competitive space Mm -hmm. to, in their words, tell China's story right. Right. And I think, like, you know, while it is an argument of, you know, should Twitter just let, you know, the market regulate itself, let people, you know, take in all this information and, you know, decide their point of opinion... But this is pretty cut and dry. I mean, these accounts, from what I've read, were pretty, they weren't personal accounts. They weren't, you know, Chinese citizens who were like, oh, we believe this, that, and the other. They were made, they were basically bot accounts. They were burner accounts. So they sort of hired, you know, a thousand people and said, each of you create five accounts each or whatever. And then they just went out there and made all these accounts sort of. um, Yeah. In In the same way that people claim that Russia interfered with the 2016 US election, it's a very similar scenario where right. people are, you know, spreading misinformation, creating these narratives that people, um, you know, just run with. Hmm. And that is the danger of it. I understand where you're coming from, where you don't want um, these platforms to basically be judged during an execution or when it comes to these issues. But I think for cut and dry cases like this, I don't have so much of a problem with it. Yeah, I, I mean, my question, I guess, comes back to, like, my stance is that, you know, they own the platform. So at the end of the day, what yeah. they want to do is their call. But then it gets a bit funny when, um, you know, companies like Google get uh, uh, court cases and lawsuits against them for sort of using that control that they have, the power that they have, that the monopoly that they have for their own gain. Um, to me, you can't sort of sue one company for you know say pushing uh google chrome on their users um and then in the same token let another company just ban a whole bunch of users it's a bit sort of it's a yeah it's a gray area and i think it's just because we are really in the infancy of like all this stuff where Mm. you know there's no regulations to do with a lot of these issues because they're such new issues and they're constantly changing and if the a piece of legislation that would be totally applicable five years ago could not even be, you know, applied to something nowadays. in 2019. Yeah. It's so different with the rapid advancement of technology. But I think uh, it just sucks. At the end of the day, it sucks that, you know, for any people who feel like they're being oppressed to have their message, you know, not go out there. Mm. And I think, And I think, you know, it would be very hypocritical of China to claim that this isn't, <laughs> that this is an issue of censorship when they are almost the kings of yeah censorship, censorship over there censorship yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 i guess you know you could debate this and and sort of argue this um all day um but you know nonetheless it's it's sort of i think um i chose to ignore a few of the other um articles around this sort of censorship style thing about you know youtube taking down some accounts um 
banning mm. banning accounts. I mean, they banned Infowars, I think it was um, a little while ago, and they've recently banned another sort of Infowars adjacent group that mm. page that um, account that started put, putting up YouTube posts. I, I chose to keep that out of it just because it's sort of following the same theme of of censorship. Um, Mm. But it goes to show uh, at the end of the day, the power of digital marketing and these platforms and the fact that, you know, any of our listeners who are sort of contemplating using whether they even need these platforms, um, it's, it's, I guess, evident that, um, yeah, they are really sort of powerful platforms still. And yeah. And, and I think people need to understand that this isn't just an, something that can be applied to the political space. And I'll give you an example um, it'll be a funny example, but stick with me. Have you ever heard of the rapper Little Pump? Yes. Yes. So, ba- so basically it came out basically a year after he exploded onto the scene and almost became popular out of nowhere that the um, label he was signed to, Warner Brothers Entertainment, basically their key marketing strategy for pushing him was using this network of social media influencers. And these range from, you know, other rappers mm-hmm. to... Um, meme accounts that had, you know, followings of 1 million people. And, you know, the whole reach of this network, I think it was 160 million of people or something like that. Wow. And they didn't go down any of the traditional marketing routes. Mm-hmm. And it was able to, you know, get this authentic buzz, authentic yeah, in, yeah. in air quotes around him. And you know what I mean? And it pushed a guy who a lot of people would say is a subpar rapper <laughs> who, you know. Well, one would argue you know, is even a rapper. Sort of, yeah. Like, is he in the same same sort of vein as say J Cole or, uh, mm. yeah, Kendrick Lamar? But yeah, oh, literally anyone with that kind of talent. But I say all that to say that using these, you know, influences and these influencer networks, I think the reason that it's so dangerous is they have the, the they have this um this false authenticity about them, even though that's a bit of a paradox in itself, where people look at these trusted influencers who they don't know are being paid behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah. To give them information that they trust, that they take, you know, as gospel. Uh, yeah. And that's, and that's the problem I have with, you know, these Twitter accounts is that if they're being made as a tool for propaganda by the government, that is extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I think it is on platforms to regulate this. And I'm not saying that if you're a Chinese citizen and you love the government, that's one thing. Yeah. But if, it, if these are burner accounts yeah. that are made explicitly for the spreading of misinformation... I mean, yeah, we're going to be left in an interesting position moving forward because I think the only way around it is to sort of tie an account to an individual, right? Because that way that, that one person, if you, if you have enough checks and verifications in place, then it's very, it becomes very difficult to create burner accounts or create say 10, 15 accounts but mm. in a world where we don't want to necessarily give that information that privacy is, is so protected. Yeah, um, exactly. And then I, hundred percent. And that's like why, you know, websites like 4chan and 8chan and all these other ones proliferate and Reddit to a certain extent is that sense of anonymity mm. where you can express your opinion and not be able to be, you know, Tied to your yeah. 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 And have that come back to you and bite you, mm. you know, mm. later in life. But anyway, it's, it's, it's scary, but it's interesting at the same time. Now, moving on um, to the next thing that we have, let me just shared this page so the next thing that we are talking about is that um you can now see and control the data and the the app the, 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 sorry the data that apps and websites share with facebook so um we were just actually talking about this before you hopped on the call about you running um 
running ad blocker everywhere and my sort of comment to that was I don't run ad blocker because it sort of helps to know what what everyone else knows about me because I those ads are naturally going to be tailored towards me using the information that they can get about me um, mm. so this this is interesting because this I think again is Facebook's push to be seen as this uh, protector of privacy despite um, on all accounts, them being the opposite um, until at least until recently, you know, it's, it's a point that you could argue. Um, but yeah, what they've done is given you more control um, over what, what information is shared to other people. So to other websites, to, to other um, applications, um, they're, they're helping you control that. Um, so it's currently available in Ireland, South Korea, and Spain, um, and eventually it will roll out to the rest of the world. Mm. Well, I think this is a good move for Facebook because I think as people have come to understand like the value of their information, which is something that I think consumers didn't really understand up until very recently, mm-hmm. how powerful that is for market research purposes they're becoming increasingly worried about how that information is being used and where it, how it's being stored. And obviously, as you alluded to, the security of that information. And Facebook and Instagram especially have recently, you know, had a lot of bad press about, um, you know, how Trans- they use their information. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you saw this sort of mini trend that happened on Instagram where people are putting up posts saying, I do not give Instagram the right to yeah. use my photos and blah, blah, blah. Like, um, prominent celebrities like Gal Gadot uh, posting about this, which I find interesting. Right. So, yeah, definitely I'd like to hear your perspective on it as someone who probably knows a bit more about the mechanics of how Facebook uses well, ultimately, information. It's, it's all about, you know, cookies and chasing you around the web so that we can, well, we, when I say we, it's sort of the digital marketers out there. Um, you know, if, if I can track your Facebook and let's say you log into a lot of websites have login with Facebook functionality. Um, so let's say you're, and uh, you know, I'm just using this as an example, but let's say you're shopping on, uh, the iconic and, um, you log in through Facebook because your account is tied to your Facebook account. Or in fact, you've logged into Facebook before and they have the Facebook pixel, um, installed on the website. They can then yep. track what you're looking at and track what you're seeing. And then when you're back on, say, when you're on a, a news site and they have Google ads or Facebook ads integrated onto the website, they can remarket to you by using that information. And then when you're back on Facebook, they can remarket to you as well. And in a world where you want to, as a marketer, show one individual as many uh, iterations of the ad and as many versions of your logo and your marketing as possible, we can just chase you around and just follow yep. you everywhere. Um, and constantly bombard you on any site. It, it seems to be indiscriminate because the way Google ads work, it's not tied to any specific. Not at all. Yeah. Site. You just got to enable Google ads. Exactly. Whether you are on Facebook, whether mm-hmm. you're on, you know, a new site, whether you're on, you know, uh, blog forum Wherever you will see like as as you said like the iconic ads and there will be the specific ads of things that you put in your checkout cart but decided against mm-hmm. and that's very powerful because i don't know about you but plenty of times i've seen i've been like nah i'm not going to purchase this mm-hmm. and then i scroll to the end of a news article and boom at the bottom it's the exact item i was looking at 
And I was like, you know what? Oh, maybe I will buy it. Mm-hmm. And then if you see it enough, you sort of you sort of go, actually, you know what? No, I really do want that backpack, or I do want that T-shirt. It's the, the more I see it, the cooler I think it is, and I should, in fact, be paying sixty bucks for it. Yeah, and it, and that's a key tenet of marketing. It's all about you know. A lot of people will disagree, but a lot of the core tenets of marketing are putting you know getting a message in front of consumers not only a lot of consumers but a lot of in front of consumers a lot of time so that you can get that recall That's and you it. know when they think of sportswear they'll think of nike when they're thinking of a car they'll think of aston martin or like whatever mm-hmm. you know just show just show it to the same person as many times as possible um mm. and it ties in with the, the, the as they've talked about it ties in with they have this why am i seeing this ad sort of button and why am i seeing this post button to sort of remind you um what you did to sort of get get this and see this but i don't know mm. it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a funny scenario, I think, because I believe they let you delete the information that they that they have that Facebook has. Mm. But the, at the end of the day, you're, it is going to col- start collecting that information again as soon as you yep. go off again. So it's a bit sort of a pointless thing. It's a bit of a marketing stunt, I think. But but yeah, even taking a step back, I think that's exactly what it is. It's 100% a PR move because I'd love to see the statistics on how many people are actually exercising that ability mm. to delete all your data because I'm a person, you know, I don't personally like giving data out to, you know, random websites and stuff because it is my personal data. Mm. It is valuable to me. But I couldn't even tell you the first step in deleting, deleting your personal data. data. Or where it's stored, exactly. how to access it, change the settings on it. No. And, and this is the thing, like Google has a similar feature, but, you know, when would you do it and how much does it make sense? What do you do? Do you, you know, once a day delete all your data? Um, and then by then, is that too late? Like, because all they yep. need to do is take that data and sort of serialize it in some way, right? If they go, um, if they get your data, pick it up, hate it and go, you know, male this age lives in this place, that's that's all that's all they need and they're they're good to go. They yeah. don't need, you know, further information about yourself. Exactly. And the thing is, like that data is not then deleted. I mean, I'm not gonna act like I know the inside mechanics of this, but I would hazard a guess that this information isn't deleted, but as you said, it is serialized, exactly. made anonymous, but still contributes to market research that they would use Completely. for other purposes. And yeah, and they would ingest it as soon as it's added to your profile. I doubt that they um, again, we, we don't know the internal workings of it, but I doubt they're going to go ahead and deleted that information. We should now find this anonymous information, the, you know, the anonymized information we have in our database about Hayden and delete that as well. I doubt that happens. Of course. I, it's too valuable. And I think at the end of the day, it would go from, you know, Hayden Fitzgerald likes looking at XXX, whatever, mm-hmm. blah, 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 to a male 18 to 24-year-old, browsers so-and-so sites like i'm sure you can delete your personalized information and have your photos not used but you're still feeding into the facebook empire (laughs) one way or another just by using their platform that's it and you're 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 a bit of that data um Mm. yeah i mean you know we're probably going to be discussing this sort of thing every other fortnight i would assume um but you know let's let's move on now to the to the next thing which is that um downloads this is from TechCrunch. downloads needed to rank number one on app store down 30 percent since 2016 for apps up 47 percent for games i'll share my screen but um 
What do you know about this, Hayden? So basically, it's a change in the way um, the App Store ranks the top acts. So top, oh, sorry, excuse me, the top charts. Mm-hmm. So when you go to the App Store and you see the most popular ones ranked, usually one to a hundred, um, they're basically put there based on an algorithm. You know, dependent on whether they're paid or whether they're free, and it's all done on how much on the category of the app and how many downloads it gets. Mm-hmm. And basically what a lot of non-game developers were complaining about was saying that, man, these, um, you know, free-to-play games, you know, so prolific, your Clash of Clans, stuff like that, are always topping the... Um, Charts. Topping the App Store mm. and we can't get on there. And this is unfair because, you know, we're a service or we're, you know, a third-party app, this, that and the other, and we can't even place because these games are just killing us. So what um, Apple has done in response to this is retooled the al- algorithm to be a bit more favorable to non-game related apps mm-hmm. and obviously made it a bit harder for games to get on there, which I don't know. I don't have a personal problem with, but I think it, it it's interesting that Apple has made, um, has catered towards the, this um, group yeah. more so because it, it, cause it feels like, I mean, it feels like and has always felt like to me that the games on the app store have always been like the driver of mm-hmm. like the app store, like in terms of total revenue, mm. because, because like some of these games are just making millions of dollars a day. Like back in clash of clans, heyday was making multiple million dollars a day just on in-app purchases yeah. on like a free game. And it's like, and candy crush as well. And all these other ones. Mm. So it's interesting that they've taken that, you know, and maybe it's because of the ubiquity of their platform that iOS really is like the mobile gaming place to be that if you're developing a game, it needs to be on there, that Apple can dictate the terms of, well, yeah. you know, ranking to them. It's been, it's been a big thing for a while, right? I mean, even even more recently with the Spotify, I don't know if you heard about Spotify um, trying to push you offline to their website when you want to um, upgrade to premium on, on the App Store. Mm. Mm. Apple just required Apple was taking a thirty percent cut, I believe. Yeah. So it sort of goes, yeah, it goes to show again. Like, I mean, this is becoming like a Google sort of, you know, SEO on Google is 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 a big thing, and I, I feel like mm. App Store SEO, it's 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 a big thing, and it's been a big thing, but it's only becoming more important, and and the algorithm on the App Store is becoming more important. Um, yeah, as well. Yeah, I think it's important because it's sort of the uh, like the problem that podcasts have where it's it's so easy to make a podcast and it's so easy to develop an app. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm pretty sure the software package to develop an iOS app only costs, you know, $100, $200. Mm-hmm. And that means anyone can make an app and anyone can make a podcast. But being able to get some eyes on you and get some, you know... Interest and interactions. Know, it's hard. And I guess that this is probably a response to that saying that if you, unless you're an established brand making, you know, an app for your store, Mm. unless you are, you know, a free app or a game that's had, you know, a whole marketing budget behind Mm. it and, you know, has some equity in the brand that you use. Like, I don't know how you would, you know, even market an app. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I get what you mean. Like it's trying to stop, you know, there's nothing stopping an indie developer to sort of pump out 100 games a year mm. and then, mm. you know, try and just use, I'm sure there are shady, shady ways to then push those games higher and higher up the up the rankings. Like, um, you know, what if you each game requires you to download another game to keep going 
past a certain level mm. or so on and so forth. Well, that's what they, that's what they do. A lot of them, because obviously they're free to play, mm. but they'll do time restrictions. It's saying that you can either wait five minutes for the next life to yeah. regenerate or you can watch a 30-second ad and that ad is always for a mobile game. <laughs> I have never seen it for anything else, whether it's, you know, Game of Sultans, all these other random iOS games, and they're all made by like similar developers. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. It's it's um it's a funny world. I I think um, apps, while they're easy to develop, it's one of those things that um, I think a lot of people people get confused about as well. Um, but you know, apart from productivity apps, um, the only other apps most people think of are games. I would say. Um, yeah. So maybe this opens up a space for more apps that do more interesting things that don't just, you know, that aren't the WhatsApps and the Gmails and the Instagrams of this world, but also mm. the clash of, you know, clans or um, just other games. Maybe this will mm. open up another mm. avenue for actual apps that sort of let you innovate and add add more to someone's life through an app. I mean, I hope so, but my argument has always been, I mean, there are enough technology journalists out there that the cream of the crop should rise to the top, mm. in my opinion. Like, you take an app like Waze, mm. um, for example, which to those who don't know is a GPS um, app, but it also doubles as a community-based thing where people can report speed cameras, um, you know, cops that are on the road, and it's worked as, it basically works as like a network of people giving out tips of how to avoid getting done for speeding <laughs> and stuff like that. And I, that's not a game and it's not tied to any sort of brand that's existed before yet. It's one of the most, you know, popular navigation apps on the store. Yeah. And I think that's because it's, it's a smart idea, but that, that's just me. I feel like there are enough every year I see the top 10 or top 25 best apps of 2019. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you're making an app that's worth downloading, people will find it eventually. But yeah, I guess it'll just be interesting to see how it, how it sort of pans out. Um, mm. So the next story I have, I'm just bringing it up now is, um, Instagram confirms it's testing increased ad loads in stories. Mm. What I've loved about Instagram up until now is that it's been very low on the uh, monetization side of things. Um, Mm. But, you know, starting from the change of of the timeline um, from that um, chronological to some sort of algorithmic timeline um, Mm. and then... I just feel like they've started suppressing um, posts unless you pay for, you know, pay to play. Um, and then mm. now, now they're talking about increased ad loads. Um, I think we've talked about this in the past with, with Facebook, with Facebook ads showing um, with, within Facebook videos. Um, I've, I've just completely, yeah, lost interest now. I just, it's, it's funny because, we were talking about it again earlier that I do love to see ads, but I love ads that are unobtrusive. I love, you know, banner ads and sidebar ads um, and not ads that, you know, I watch five seconds of a video and then suddenly there's an ad loading up. Um, Yeah. And I, and I think unobtrusiveness is the word is the key word there mm. because the thing about these stories ads that I don't like and what I think why they're so ineffective is they really, these story ads aren't just like, hey, buy this now, 20% off. 
they're made to look like real stories that your friends or accounts that you would follow would put up. Mm. And I think it takes a second for people to be like, whoa, that's a, that's a Kathmandu ad or that's an ad for this, that and the other. And to me, it always puts me off because it seems like I, you know, I'm being misled and it feels like I'm, I'm coming to this app for one purpose. And I understand that nothing is for free. It's a free social media app. You need to monetize it you know, and make your money back. But just the way in, you know, in which they're doing it, it, it just feels a bit scummy to me to put it. Yeah, like it's, and the fact that, well, the big thing about Instagram was as a social network that you could, um, kids could be on there, right? There was a, I don't yeah. know if the age uh, limit has increased now, but this is also sort of sneaky in that way. Um, I know Apple had this huge thing where they had to refund all this money where kids were playing games on their parents or on their little iPads that the parents had bought them and they kept buying more lives, et cetera, and costing their parents money. Um, yeah. I feel like that is this, this sort of Instagram's taken almost that route where it's almost like a Trojan horse, right? You go into the, this kid's life and then suddenly you start monetizing them at such a young age. Mm. it's scary it is scary and i think i don't know whether you've noticed but i've noticed that instagram has really been bumping up their marketing functionality on the platform like now um for example i follow a lot of sneaker accounts Mm -hmm. um, a lot of shoe accounts whatever and so now i saw this um online store based in the uk displaying these three sneakers in a photo and basically you can press on each sneaker individually right and it takes you to that landing page for the specific sneaker and these are all different sneakers mm-hmm. that you can so it's not just like click through to the basic site like it's getting that you know specific and deep and complex now i don't know it's getting scary and it'll be interesting to see whether instagram cops any backlash from this i doubt they will i think yeah. that as we've seen in the past that these changes sort of cause a bit of an uproar when they happen and then people, people are like just get oh, over it and just yeah keep... I, i'm getting what i pay for yeah 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 well i mean the fact that it's free people just probably going well it's free like if if that's the if that's a transaction then fair mm. enough and don't get me wrong i felt that way in the past but it's just becoming a bit i think the one that gets me is really just the videos like Hayden, I just want to see, I just want to watch the video. I'm rarely on Facebook. There's a Facebook video and it looks interesting and it's only 30 seconds long and it's interrupted by a 10 second video ad. I'm out of there. I'm just going on YouTube and, you know, I mean, that's, it's, we've got some YouTube related news here as well. Um, Mm. But, oh man, there's just, anyway, I think I just got to, I just got to get over it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of YouTube, um, um, where was the next article that I wanted to talk about? Um, Removing exact subscribers. Yeah. That yeah. That one. Um, where is it? Here we go. On Android police, YouTube kills exact public subscriber count. Have you heard about this? I have heard about it. I haven't read too much into it. What does this have any major ramifications for the YouTube space besides like the death of those live subscriber count videos that everyone used to watch, you know? Yeah. 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 To watch people. I mean, sort of related PewDiePie became the first individual YouTube creator to hit a hundred billion subs recently. Um, yeah. And congrats on him for getting married to his beautiful wife. Oh, did he get married as well? Yeah. Yeah. Right. He had a small wedding and then like a typical YouTuber, 
makes a full video production out of it (laughs) and puts it online. It's like classic, classic. But yeah, I mean, going off that, um, basically what this change means is that um, when you have, when you have under a thousand um, followers, uh, subscribers on YouTube, it'll show you the exact number, but anything over it sort of rounds it up. Um, Mm. So, you know, 123,456 actual subscribers would look like 123K on the app. Mm. Um, And so it bumps up every thousand subscribers. Um, So they're sort of rounding it up. Um, I I mean, they've taken the same, Instagram did this recently, right? Instagram stopped Mm -hmm. not just showing you the likes, not just stopped showing you the exact number of likes, but they've also started rounding up your followers. They're all claiming that it's to do with sort of making you happier, well-being. Um, I mean, it's such an interesting change because it's so, it's not really applicable to anyone except this very, very small minority of creators who are in because like not only is it hard to get 10,000 subscribers on YouTube, mm-hmm. this is like a policy that is going to affect, you know, the 0.001% of creators yep. who have millions of subscribers. <laughs> and I'd love, I'd love to like, you know, t- sit down with one of them and be like, do you even care about this? Really? Well, like the thing is that they, they're actually start that they're, they're quite concerned because, you know, okay, let's say you've got a hundred mil. So the example here that they've got is if you've got 123 million subscribers, the next mm. jump will be at 124 million. So, Jeez, so publicly, right. yeah. So publicly what they're saying is that there'll be a gap of mm. 1 million subscribers between when you know there's that public change and what the individual creators or the even even the bigger ones are saying is that it's concerning for them because you know when you should see every single subscriber you click you'd click subscribe as as a as a viewer and you'd see that number go up you you see see that haptic feedback of yeah yeah yeah, like make an impact i mean you know it's like you saying me hayden i'm going to join this group and you can see this this physical representation of the effect that you're having yeah. on that group, but yeah. if that if you were to join a group or join you know even physically and the number of individuals there weren't to change, mm. what do you what impact are you making? You're not really making an impact on a smaller level. Maybe it's a ploy in a roundabout way to like promote lower end users because I feel like YouTube has always been skewed to like there are about. 10 or 20 accounts on YouTube that have a lot of power on the platform and can actually, mm. you know, get some change. So maybe this is a way to tip the balance back in the favor of smaller accounts by promoting their growth. Perhaps. I don't know. I just don't think it makes, it's almost like, you know, why are you changing this thing that did you ever think it's broken? broken? Yeah, no, not at all. It, and that's why it's such an interesting change because I'm really struggling to, not only get an opinion on it either way, but sort of see why, how it even, it, it, that's what I don't understand. Like it really, yeah, I, like that's, that's what I'm struggling to see as well. Like just like you, I don't really have an opinion on it either way, but it's more of a why, like mm. no one ever, ever, ever said YouTube or even Instagram should change how it's doing. I, I get the likes. I can understand it maybe, 
but yeah. not really because yeah. still at a, at a personal level, you can just click in and see visually how many likes you've got. So yeah, while yeah. you're not looking at, you know, while you're not comparing, um, Oh, I got 101 likes this time and 105 likes, you know, last time. Yeah. You're still, you're still scrolling. You can still see like, yeah, it doesn't affect, you know, like how these creators can monetize their videos because, you know, if they were doing sponsored content, they can still prove to, you know, yeah, this third true. party that, hey, this is the exact amount of subscribers I have. It's just a public facing thing. Yeah. It, and it's, it's, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. That's, that's all very, I come, very weird. come back down yeah. to. Um, but I, I mean, YouTube again, I don't know. Are you a big YouTuber? I, oh, I've never uploaded any content but you seriously to the platform but I consume hat and like a lot of YouTube and have for a very long time. Okay. And I've sort of seen the platform evolve from yeah. what I like to think of like a really authentic, you know, place where people who would have never, ever made it on mainstream media could have, you know, could create these smaller bite-sized pieces of content mm-hmm. to now it is YouTube is almost just another corporation, another, you know, TV network. It seems like, I don't know. It's very sad for me because I feel like what made YouTube so appealing at the start is slowly being degraded and it's sort of well, becoming you know, everything. It's they're owned by Google now and um, yeah, they've been owned by Google for a while, but I guess everyone's just done to monetize properly and where attention is so expensive, they're just starting to unashamedly just go after your, your eyeballs and your money. Mm, mm. yeah well we've we've been talking for a little while uh this episode is already quite long but let's quickly finish off with there are a couple articles i wanted to talk about um the bill that was that's banning autoplay videos and endless scrolling um what do you know about that so this is an american bill that i should preface this story with that and basically it's being put forward to their parliament saying that the, you know, autoplay videos and endless scrolling sites are basically misleading. They are, you know, too pushy in layman's terms that they're putting, I don't know. It's just, as we were talking about before that intrusive marketing and there are regulations around this in every other space, Mm -hmm. except really the online, you know, the online realm. So this bill would basically be looking at that and seeing whether this is, you know, a valid marketing tool that is ethical and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I've only read a few expert opinions. Not many are certain that this will go anywhere, but it's interesting that that conversation is finally being had. Yeah. It's interesting that it's, it's yeah, become something that they want to talk about. But I guess again, it's, it's sort of the viral marketing side of things as well. That sort of make you go, you know, they're exploiting psychology. How, how good is it that they're, they're doing so. Mm-hmm. Um, just moving on from that again quickly, uh, Instagram, um, they're working on an app called Threads. I'm not sure if they've released it yet. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you've heard about much about this, but essentially Instagram, now that fa- I, I feel like Facebook Messenger just, you know, Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp are really dominating their space. Instagram yep. is also coming up with this, with this, app that promotes sharing your a status location and more with your closest friends <sighs> cute or creepy in my opinion it's creepy i to be honest i just think like a lot of these a lot of these platforms don't understand like the simplicity of their platform is why it became so appealing in the first place like i 
I don't really understand totally. like how many people how many people are going to Instagram, you know, to see the location of their friends. Like it, it's just like a utility of a platform that I'm not sure. I mean, unless you were like a helicopter parent or yeah. what you would like. But then your you kid would be will probably just not your kid will probably create a fake account, add you on it, and then have their actual account as this sort of random name and tell all their friends, wouldn't they? Mm, mm. And I, and I just feel like again with Snapchat, it's like uh, Snapchat was so good because it was so simple back in the day. It yeah. was a simple video photo sharing platform. And then as it tried to diversify and do the, all this other stuff, be a place where you can get like news articles and <laughs> sponsored content, people just totally did not engage with that because it's not what they think of when they think of Snapchat. And when I think of Instagram, it's just... That's it. I mean, Instagram is is an app where you add a few filters, your photo looks cool and you upload it. Yeah. It doesn't need to be anything more. Even even the private messaging side of things. I'm like, how many platforms can I message the same person on? Like there's Facebook, Mm, there's mm. Snapchat, there's Instagram, there's email, there's text. That's without... And and again, Instagram does it in the right way where it's like their messaging isn't just the same as like Facebook messaging. It's like tied to that platform. Like the way you can message, you can react to stories. So you're Mm. like reacting to images and, you know, you can hit people up in the DM, but that's not like, these aren't long form conversations. These are just like something that you would do maybe to a friend who's moved away, who you don't see as much being like, Oh, that's a cool story you put up. I'm glad that I can like stay in touch with you through this way, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not sure how this new app, would really integrate into that identity yeah i like the functionality of instagram because people are already using like the geolocation but it's more to to flex the nice places that you've been <laughs> rather than to like I don't just know. Let people follow you essentially yeah and again going back to the information sharing um you know worries that we're going to run into in the future mm. i mean this is just another thing where it's like do you really want instagram to have location services on at all times and have this functionality just working in the background of your app while you're using it. Oh, I've never shared my location to anyone intentionally. No. Um, I don't know if you have, I think the people who do that are, I'm not sure why they do it. Um, maybe they just like to be that, that sort of transparent with where they are and what they're up to, but mm-hmm. scary. Um, anyway, that sort of wraps up, uh, the last fortnight. Um, unless there was anything else you wanted to, quickly talk about Hayden nothing else coming Uh, I think I think we hit it all awesome so as usual um, all the links to the articles that we've discussed um, will be in the in the description um, on whatever platform you're listening to Uh, we both really appreciate it if you could share this podcast with with your close friends and family to if you enjoy it uh, tell us tell us so if you uh, would like to leave a review it really really does help us um, and yeah the most important thing I think is just sharing this out there and um, giving us your thoughts and your comments and telling us about what you like what do you agree with what do you disagree with and you know moving forward I think it'll be really nice um, to have more more of our listeners on here as well um, yeah so keep yeah keep us in the loop uh, as, a, as a listener um, we're on all your favorite platforms. Um, yeah, we'll catch you uh, next week on the next episode. Sweet. Thank you, Jermaine, for having me. No worries, Hayden. Catch you later. 
Thanks for listening to another episode of the Future Drive podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on your favorite podcast app. It goes a long way to helping us. If you have any thoughts, questions, or comments, email us at hello at futuretri.be. If you haven't already, become a part of the tribe on Facebook. Go to futuretri.be slash fb and invite your friends. We're just getting started and we would love to see you there. That's it from us. I hope this episode has empowered you to keep working on bettering your future. It's a pleasure to have you as part of the tribe. See you next time.